we'll uh I just we'll, I didn't want my dogs to make noise. Yeah. No, you're good. You're good. Okay. So we'll pray and we'll get started. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us together. Thank you for uh, this evening opportunity. We pray for your spirit's guidance. We pray that everything we say will come from you, that our uh, that our words will glorify you, that those who hear may be enlightened, may they be brought closer to you to know you better. Um, be with the hardware and the software, and, uh, and uh, may your kingdom expand through all of this, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. Good evening. Yes. I was just practicing. Pra practice it now. I'm used to saying good morning. Practice it, practice it now. Get it in. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining us. Ah, see, there I go. It's these, the evening ones kill me. Hello, this is the Adventure Through the Bible podcast. My name is Matt. Joining us tonight are your friends and mine, Tracy. Good evening. You got it right. I practiced. You practiced. <laughs> <laughs> and Karen. Hello. And Amy. Good evening. Good evening. Karen informed us that she is starting in on her uh, fall diabetes binge. I could hear the, the <laughs> she, she let us hear the crinkling. There it is. <laughs> the crinkling of the candy corn wrapper. <laughs> I was told I, yeah, I have a year. It's happening. Yeah. <laughs> There's been years of by now. I've had I've been about three bags in. I haven't even finished my first one yet, so I'm feeling pretty proud of myself on that one. But it's it's funny. I keep a little cup full on my desk at, at in my office at my at my shop, and it just happens to be sitting there, and I haven't moved it. And but uh, a, a small little orange wire nut plastic wire nut right next to my jar of candy corn and i just know someday somebody's going to grab that thing and stick it in their mouth and i'm gonna laugh because it it almost looks exactly like a piece of candy corn and uh, <laughs> it would make me laugh maybe not them i think it would be funny but um i'm sort of <laughs> all fun and games until a filling comes out yeah <laughs> <laughs> yep <laughs> but yeah and 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 speaking of fall here we go hang on hang on Ah, uh, tonight it's a chai latte in my Adventure Through the Bible coffee mug, which does not have to hold coffee. It can also hold chai lattes. So, theoretically, it can also hold any liquid. Well, this is true. This is true. You can put whatever liquid in there you want. I will not judge you for it. My chai latte, though. It holds pens. Well, it could hold pens. It could hold candy corn. Oh, oh! I have a coffee cup that holds my makeup brushes. See, there you, <laughs> there you go. go. You can use that thing for whatever you want. If you would, and if you would like to have one, the possibility is there. All you got to do is send us an email with a question that we can read on on our two hundredth episode that will will post on December second, and. You too could be entered into a drawing to receive one of these amazing Adventure Through the Bible coffee mugs with our logo on there. You yeah. will you feel like one of us. You will be one of us. We will chant for you, one of us. One <laughs> of us. Good gracious. I want to give you this coffee mug. So send us an email and I'll put you in that drawing. And and if I draw your name, then I will get your 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 mailing address and send one right to your doorstep. Or wherever your mail gets gets sent, or whatever I don't know. I don't have I haven't picked a shipping method yet, but it'll get to you probably. <laughs> uh, so with that, I know because you're gonna want you're gonna want one while you're listening to the podcast. You can be sipping from the mug, and I'm telling you, you're gonna feel like one of the gang. Uh, but speaking of the podcast, that's why we are here on this this lovely evening. Uh, we are here to talk about Luke chapter 16. Luke, you know, I really like Luke. I think Luke is probably my favorite gospel writer. He's just very, he seems to be very thorough in his writing, and I like him. But he has been, from what we've been reading, he's been on a bit of a parable kick for the last uh, few chapters here. And uh, I suspect he probably just kind of lumped a bunch of them together, although some of it has been, you know, 
in the context of particular stories. Um, but he's just got a lot of them here all together. And because that's the way it seems to be, that's the way uh, that uh, was Jesus's favorite method of teaching was through was through parables and storytelling. And he was he was good at them. And we've got some we got some uh, we've got some interesting things to talk about tonight. Some of them are a little uh, some of it's a little tough, I think, little little tricky to to uh, to navigate through. And so um I'm going to be very interested to see what my friends here have to say about some of this stuff. The first parable is, well, at least in my New King James, it was known as the parable of the unjust steward. And Jesus is tell, starts telling the story of a rich man who has hired a guy to basically manage his estate. And this steward gets accused of mismanaging i don't know if he there you know if he's been uh you know embezzling uh or just not doing a great job or what but the manager or the 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 rich man goes to him and says i need you to give an account of what you've been doing i'm sorry but you cannot be my steward anymore and I see a couple of different ways that this story could be going, and we're not really told exactly what's going. We're not told if the if the uh, accusations are legitimate or not. Um, and so there's a couple ways we can see this. Either they are, and the trust has been broken, or uh, somebody is just trying to get him in trouble, and the master is just wanting to remove any scrutiny from the situation by removing the steward from the position. Uh, and kind of which way, which way you read that sort of makes a difference with the way I think the parable goes. Um, because, and here's, here is where the story gets strange because remembering this is Jesus telling the story. The steward doesn't know what he's going to do without this job. He says, I can't dig, to which my first inclination is to go, really, you, you can't dig or you just don't want to, you know. Um, and then he says, uh, I'm ashamed. You don't understand how soft his hands have gotten over these years. Of <laughs> in the yeah, yeah. You know, there's a cure for that. And that is called is using a shovel. shovel. It's, yeah. it's, it's a shovel. Yes. <laughs> you can dig. Everything will hurt for a while and then you'll be stronger. That's mm -hmm. how it <laughs> now, I mean, I, I, I could see his point to some degree because I, I was, I was several years ago, I was laid off for a few months, and I was starting to contemplate different things than what I do. And you know, one of at the time, oil wells were a big thing around here, and I thought, well, gosh, I could try to apply to go work oil wells, but I was like, I really don't want to work oil wells. I really don't, you know. And so I could kind of get it. Amy, see, I think that's the that's the key here is that it's going to be outside of his comfort zone. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? He could, but yeah. it's not in his nature. Right. Yep. Not what he wants. Amy? Yeah. I was just laughing over here because I'm thinking, you guys are sitting here judging a fictional character. <laughs> 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 well, we, maybe he's fictional. <laughs> Jesus might have been telling him. Emphatically. Real judging him emphatically. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's just an interesting attitude to be taken by somebody in, in a position where you're, you're, you know, you've got to make a livelihood. You've got somehow you got to make a livelihood. And, Although and, think uh, about, think about that. That means Jesus knew people like that, right? Like well, he was sure. like, you know, you know, that guy that wouldn't work because he didn't mm -hmm. want to get calluses <laughs> on his hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even if it's not a real guy there, you know, there are people you know, people like this. And yeah, he's yeah. had this cushy office job and now he might have to actually do some manual labor. And well, I can't do that. You know, that's right, not right. the point. It's not the point of the story, <laughs> no. but it's but rapidly it, becoming the point. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it's a piece of the story, though, you know, so but um, eh, but he says, I'm ashamed to beg. And that one, I really I that one I get, you know, the, about the last thing I want to find myself doing is standing on a corner with a sign, you know, cause you know how I've had I, my reaction to people on the corner with signs. Um, I, you know, I, I get it. I don't, I don't want to do that either. And so, so he comes up with this plan and, um, 
his idea is I need I need something to fall back on when I don't have this job anymore. So what am I going to do? So he goes to the people who owe his master money and he has them change their bills so that it looks like they owe less. There is no question that this is an immoral thing to do. And and having Jesus tell this story is is rather odd for Jesus to bring this guy up because, well, as we go forward, um, you know, it makes sense why I'm saying, why would Jesus say this? You know, um, because he goes to them, has them change the bill. So it looks like they, they, they owe less. And what happens is the master is actually impressed with this guy because he says he has displayed shrewdness. And the quote is, for the sons of this world are more shrewd than the sons of light. So the question, the question that arises then, and I've had discussions with people on this, is why would Jesus put this guy who is clearly doing something immoral sort of on a pedestal and saying, there's an example. There is, there is an example of how you should be, uh, what you should be emulating, Karen. So verse eight is where the master commends the dishonest manager. And then verse nine is where it sounds like Jesus is talking directly. Mm-hmm. You agree with that? Yeah. 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 So the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly for the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than are the people of the light. I tell you, use worldly wealth to gain friends for yourselves so that when it is gone, you will be welcomed into eternal dwellings. I'm so confused. This story has always confused me. <laughs> I know there's a lot of things here that just on their surface you go what, what? you first you're like <laughs> okay that guy's obviously dishonest and second on the surface of this it sounds like you're telling me to buy my friends <laughs> and and we're like this is not Jesus's nature so what's going on here Amy so one thing I was thinking about was Jesus is clearly commending right like he is definitely saying um that he acted wisely right i mean that's Mm -hmm. part of the story so then he's he says basically use your money to make friends and i wonder if he's actually trying to make the like this actually should be something we think about in our ministry or in our life in the church that kind of thing because we get all this wealth and we think oh well i want this and i want that but really, God's giving us wealth to make, uh, like, think of creative ways to bless others so that um, so that they can be saved, so that they can understand about the gospel. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about that? I know what I have written down. Mm-hmm. Let's hear it, Tracy. Yeah, no, that you're you're given more wealth to bless others. You know, but it it all comes down to how you manage that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know the the person that I kind of look to on this one is honestly my wife. She's that's mm-hmm. all she talks about. It's mm-hmm. like you know, how can I bless others? It's like okay, where you know sometimes that's not my first. I'll just be honest. That's not my first inclination is to say, oh, what can I give away or what can I do for somebody else. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's part of what Jesus is saying. He's saying, you know, you're, you guys are not thinking outside the box. Like you have all these different capabilities. Use them for my kingdom. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I agree with what you guys are saying, but I think there's a level of this too, because he is very specifically pointing out a guy who is. Uh, Shrewd shrewd he's he is doing something for his gain now in the story it happens to be at the expense of his master 
And, you know, my, my, I remember first reading this thing and my first inclination is to think that the master is God. I don't think that's the case here. I think this master is just this guy's boss, right? But I think what, I think part of what Jesus is saying here is, is here is a dishonest guy and he's willing to do something that he deems necessary in order to, to obtain what he needs or what he wants. Where then he says the people of, of, uh, how does he put it? Um, he's more shrewd than the sons of light. So those, you know, people that are, you know, he's making a contrast with then people who are in a moral situation and trying to maintain morality, but they will, they might be a little more willing to just kind of sit back and let things happen, uh, instead of, instead of actively doing something, um, for the kingdom, for the purposes that they are, uh, that they are aspiring to. What do you think of that? But, uh, yeah, yeah, no, I think that was helpful because like you said, there's a lot of passivity in the church and this guy actively realizes his position and thinks, okay, what can I do? And, and Jesus is commending that in a way, you know, like he's saying he did something at least, mm-hmm. you know, uh, I think it's funny, like in the, book of revelation there's all these sins that are listed and well no it's actually individuals who won't be in the kingdom right and so it names all these terrible things and one of the things is fearfulness yes mm. and you're like mm-hmm. huh <laughs> you know yeah, yeah. so it's one of the, yeah if you remember correctly it's what is it? it's like the first one on the list or something like that and i'm like what mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah so i think that's really the point it's not that jesus is saying what he did was good. I think what he's saying is that his attitude about the situation is what's good. He saw that uh, he was going to be in a bad state. And so he did something to try to ensure that he could land on his feet. Whereas, like you say, there's a lot of passivity in the church. When we get into into the book of Revelation, we will undoubtedly talk about the church of Laodicea, which the point of the church of Laodicea is everybody's just going, meh, eh, whatever, you know? Yeah, and, yeah. and and Jesus is saying, no, because, you know, hot or cold, you got to be hot or cold, because if you're lukewarm, you make me sick. And so you've got to do something, Amy. So how do you guys tie together then verses 10 through 13? Because then Jesus goes on to say, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least will be also unjust with much. If therefore you have not been faithful with unrighteous riches, uh, who will commit their trust to you with to you with true riches? If you have not been faithful in that which is another man's, who will give you that so that it will become your own. No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God in money. So I don't I had trouble tying that together with the upper part of the parable. Very much so. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's more than one thought being expressed here. Because I think that part ties in more to what you were saying, you and Tracy were saying originally, where mm-hmm. what you're given, use wisely. Mm-hmm. And and it ties into the first, I think, by saying, um, yes, be shrewd with what you're given. Use what you're given to the benefit of the king. You know, because, I mean, the way it puts it is um, specifically, let me look it up here. It says they will... Oh, I got to find it now. Um, Oh, they will receive you into an everlasting home. That almost sounds like we could really be talking future. You know, we could be talking Mm -hmm. eternal reward type of thing here. And the temptation is to take that into thinking you're buying your way into heaven, which no, that's not the case either. But if you're if you're using what's given to you, using what you have at your disposal, I guess you could say, 
mm-hmm. for that benefit of those friends, of those people that that are benefiting from your generosity. Um, that is, I guess, the more shrewd way of doing things than simply squandering whatever you're given. Um, it's a it's a very interesting way for the for the point to be put across. Um, because I think, I do think it is, it's, it's get away from the passivity and use things wisely because, you know, this guy, he had, he still had that position of authority of the master's stuff to be able to go out and say, uh, you know, change a bill and, 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 you know, gain some favor that way. Go ahead, Amy. So two things. One is I have met quite a number of gullible Christians. And I suppose it's true, you know, in other faith traditions as well. But but it is annoying, right? When you find somebody that's like, well, this man told me that he could quadruple all my money if I would just give him all of it. And mm-hmm. you're like, and you fell for that? Right. You know? uh, so we do need, I feel like Jesus is a couple of times telling us, be a little more skeptical. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, and then number two, with this parable, maybe, maybe at some point we'll say to ourselves, yeah, maybe I don't get that one completely. <laughs> you know, and that's kind of where I'm at is too. It's like, cause honestly, that was a head scratcher. It was like, okay, I'm, I'm not sure exactly where that's going now. You know, you always kind of, you know, in our house, we live by the the motto is, why would God bless you with a million dollars if you can't handle the $10 you're given? Mm-hmm. So then I put down, you know, can you be shrewd in the opposite direction where you are? Just like Amy saying, you're more skeptical. And it's like, listen, I've been blessed with this. So why would I want to give you all of it to make three times as much? You know what I mean? You could right. be shrewd in the opposite direction and and that being a good steward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a lot of it is just about being wise with what is yours to use Um, and and not simply being passive with what is yours to use. I mean, especially as Christians, as we are given the kingdom, as we are, you know, given whatever whatever wealth or or influence we might have, it's like use it to the good don't just sit on it don't just wait for things to happen because you know in the the in the case of that steward if he would have waited for things to happen he would have just ended up in the gutter you know and and uh but because he acted out he found himself where he would have a place to land um and it's like Jesus is saying, yeah, the dishonest people are better at this than you. You need to get better about this. You need to be better about being proactive. I think that's what a lot of what it really is. Amy. Well, and I I know the character is kind of sketchy, but mm-hmm. I also like in verse eight, it says, and the Lord commended the unjust steward. You know, and I know it's not saying the Lord like God, but right. um, his master. Um, and so. It's not that unheard of, though. Like people, bill collectors will call people and say, "Look, I know you can't pay a thousand dollars that you owe, but can you pay three hundred? Because then we can be done with this, you know." And so there's a sense in which this is almost like normal business practice with someone who's not going to pay you anyway. So uh, yeah. I guess just keep in mind it's not like pure evil or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but you know, the point isn't that what the steward did was good. The point is that the steward's proactive attitude is what Jesus is saying needs to be emulated. Yes. You we need we need to be proactive in our cause, in our causes, mm-hmm. um, and and not just sitting around waiting for stuff to happen. I think that's really what Jesus is saying. And and then Yes, as we are given things, as we use them to the good and benefit of other people, then, uh, you know, yeah, a, a result will be friends. But it doesn't necessarily have to mean that you're buying your friends. It just means that you um, have reached out in a way that is beneficial and and attractive. Amy? 
So I think verse 13 really is the key because he says you can't serve both God and money. And mm -hmm. he says that elsewhere, of course. But um, he is not at all saying, therefore, take a vow of poverty and, you know, don't have anything, don't use anything. He's saying, use the money. Mm -hmm. Money is the money is how this world operates. That's fine. But your love, your loyalty, that's God's. And money is just a tool. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, it's not something that you love or serve. Yeah. No, no, but use it well. Use yep. it, use it to a goal. Use it for a purpose. Mm -hmm. Be proactive about it. And specifically, be proactive in, uh, in a moral uh, and sensible fashion, uh, you know, for in in this case, for the benefit of other people is the best way to do it. And uh, and uh, so that's 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 kind of yeah, that's kind of the point of of that. It's a tricky one. On its surface, you just go, well, I don't, I I don't quite get it. But you gotta you gotta kind of crawl inside of it and and and. Uh, let it let it uh, just kind of speak and talk to you. The next little um, is it a, another? The next little section here is um, <laughs> it's sort of a a, a, re a reaction from the Pharisees towards Jesus, and then Jesus' reaction back to them. They hear what Jesus is saying, and they understand that he's. You know, he, he's talking about money here to a degree. And uh, Luke, I love it. Luke is just like, yeah, they're lovers of money. The Pharisees are lovers of money. And they start deriding Jesus for this parable. And so this is a bit of an explanation then, I think, maybe of the of the parable itself. Because Jesus says, you justify yourselves to men, but God knows your hearts. And what is valued to men is an abomination to God. Uh, um, and, and so well, if wasn't we, that their whole premise kind of, you know, they, they had that, those high positions and they like that. They like being on the top of the hill and people looking up to them, but really God saw their heart. Jesus saw their heart and it was like, you know what? You're not right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They, they, they were holding this idea of wealth. I mean that that's the, that's the implication of the story being told here is that they're holding this idea of wealth very tightly and close to themselves and to where when Jesus is saying use your money for other people they're going yeah, whatever yeah right that's a stupid way to use you your know, money and, and I think it was it was Karen or Amy I can't remember but maybe a couple of weeks ago that we were talking about when um Samuel went to go find Saul's successor mm -hmm. and and Jesse took him out there, presented all of his sons that he thought were, were, you know, good in his sight. And Samuel was like, okay, do you have any more? You know, because he had, to, he had, you know, God was telling him, you know what? I see, you see the outside, I see the inside. It's not what you're looking for. And I think it's the same thing here is, you know what? The outward appearance, yeah, you're high and mighty for men, but really um, abomination to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's a harsh word to use, an abomination to God. I mean, who wants to be <laughs> who wants to be told that the things you're doing are an abomination to God? Um, but if if your goal with wealth, because it's a continuation of the thought, if your goal with wealth is just more, uh, what's the point in that? What good is that? You know, you have more. Well, so what? What's it good for? It's uh, you know, it's it's. A number in an account for us it's uh it's for them it might be bags of little bits of 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 uh, shiny metal or something along those lines but until you use it for something good it's pointless so just accumulating is is uh it's just useless it's worthless and if you only use it for yourself it's practically just as worthless at the end of the day it's certainly at the end of your lifetime amy so um I agree with all that you're saying. <laughs> um, and also, I, you know, this, this part where it says, you know, for what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Hey, wait a minute. I just had an epiphany. Do you remember that joke where the guy is the only person ever to get to bring something to heaven and he packs gold 
and he gets there <laughs> yeah. and, and the angel's look in his suitcase and they're like you brought pavement right <laughs> <laughs> that's such a great one um but but um what I found interesting and difficult was actually verse 16. I found verse 16 to be one of the hardest ones in this whole chapter. What did you guys think of that? Verse 16 is interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And it, again, I think it requires a little thought because verse 16 says, let me get there. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. On the surface... This looks like with John the Baptist, or at the time of John the Baptist, if you take that just like that, it would be like, that was the old covenant, and now we're in the new covenant. That's, Mm -hmm. you know, it's one of those arguments that we hear all the time, the old covenant versus the new covenant. The old covenant is gone. The new covenant is new. The law is done away with. And um, you take that one verse by itself, and you might be inclined to go that way. But when you read on, you find it's not the case. Go ahead, Amy. Yeah. So that was that was the interesting part is 17 says, but it is easier for heaven and earth to pass away than for one tittle of the law to fail. Whoever puts away his wife to marry another commits adultery. And whoever marries her that is put away um, from her husband, he commits adultery. So this is just like the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus isn't saying do away with the law. It's all spiritual now. He's saying the law is so much more spiritual than you ever imagined. And therefore, I was patient with you when you couldn't get along with your wife back then. And I allowed divorce. But here's the deal. That was never my plan. And and so it's like it's not that he's doing away with the law. It's like he's bumping up the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we've seen him do that before. I think it was Sermon on the Mount, you know, where to, you know, even if you, you know, keeping it in that same vein, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've just committed adultery. So, you know, he like is giving that as an example. He's like, adultery is still adultery. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think what he's saying in all this is, yes, up until John the Baptist, we were focusing on the law on the rules which you guys never figured out in the first place you know they never really did uh it just became you thought it was all about the doing and and then you added so many other rules onto everything that it's you know it's uh it's utterly ridiculous but now when we've got john the baptist talking repent and be baptized now you see why the law is there. Now you understand what that stuff is supposed to be about. You understand that there's more than just following the rules. There's a reason behind it now. Karen. Well, that's kind of what I was going to say. So when the word became flesh, right, which was what, mm-hmm. what Jesus showed up to do, mm-hmm. the, the ideas behind his teaching became more heart-driven and less observable behavior-driven. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's that passage like what you were talking about. You've heard it say, do not murder. I tell you that if you've ever thought hateful things in your heart about your brother, you have has you have committed murder in your heart. Yeah. You know, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. I tell you that if you look at a woman to lust for her, you have already committed adultery in your heart, right? So to me, the big shift that happened when Jesus showed up. So, you know, John the Baptist probably was the forerunner of it. You know, this whole repent and be baptized thing. Jesus brought the commandments, the law into the heart. So out of the observable realm, and into the unobservable but more honest realm. Like I can sit here and think all the nasty thoughts and I want, but as long as I shut my mouth and don't, I haven't sinned. Well. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, you know, there's another aspect of this too. People will people will say that the law was done away with at the cross. Well, this verse would make it in, would almost indicate that this law was done away with 
when John the Baptist started preaching. So which is it? Well, guess what? It's neither one, because if you think it through logically, it simply does not make sense to say that the law was done away with at the cross because it's still wrong to murder. It's still wrong to commit adultery. It's still wrong to steal. It's still wrong to uh, uh, worship false idols. You know, all of those things. If you go down that list and you go, there's no reason that anything there would go away, but we just have a better understanding of why those things are there now. And so, yes, now it is, is intended to be more internalized, but it makes it very obvious that it's not gone. It's just our perspective yeah. on it has changed because now we understand, oh, we're talking about this kingdom. We're talking about the principles of, of following God and following Jesus and, and understanding now that, yeah, there's a, there's a reason for this. There's purpose behind all this. And it's not simply a rule. It is to, it is to a purpose. Uh, so, so yeah, see, that's a, this is one of those great examples of when you cannot take a simple verse and make a whole doctrine out of it because that's what's happened in places like this. People will take the one verse and, and take it in a direction that it's just not going. It is simply not going into a place where Jesus is saying, yeah, that was then and this is now. He's saying that was then, and guess what? We're building on it. That was one, that was a building block. We're stepping up, stepping up, stepping up, and we're going to get better at this as we go. That's, that I think is largely the part of this. And so when these guys are looking at Jesus and they're, you know, they're smirking at him while he's talking about using your money well, and they're just like, yeah, whatever, you know, and, and Jesus comes up, comes right back and is just like, guys have got everything wrong. You just got everything wrong. So, Amy, what was your take on verse 16? So, New King James, let's see, look at my parallel version here. New King James says, the law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is pressing into it. And then NIV says, the law and the prophets were proclaimed until John. Since that time, the good news of the kingdom of God is being preached and everyone is forcing their way into it. So I love that, how that changes at the end. Like that first part, you know, troubles uh, or, you know, gave, gave me pause and I had to think it through and I had to read verses 17 and 18 and, and think about, you know, what does the rest of the Bible say? And, and if the law was completely done away with, why is there not a big announcement? You know, Hey, big announcement. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Now do whatever you want. It's all good. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that's missing from the Seems New noteworthy. <laughs> right. And, um, but I love how it changes there towards the end and every man is pressing into it. The kingdom of God is preached and every man is pressing into it. I love that. That that was really cool. I don't know why I never really thought about that portion of that verse before. So. Yeah, people want it. You know, yeah. when, when somebody came and started talking differently than the lawyers and the Pharisees and all these guys who yeah you know for good reason they were they were pressing hard into the law because it had been but that was their main focus though yeah right it was only the 10 commandments that's all they had and they had to add to it you know like we've said repeatedly and that was their primary focus until john came Mm -hmm. john's whole mission was different he wasn't about the law he was paving a way for jesus Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the whole focus mm-hmm. shifted away from the yeah. law. But when it's you not look saying at that the why. law was no good anymore and didn't need to be followed. Now the focus was salvation in Jesus. Right. But, you know, when you look at why they had pressed so hard on the law, you can I kind of understand why they did. They took it too far, but you can understand, you know, the number of times that Israel had been torn down, carried away, you know, uh, and it was always because they weren't following that that law. The and so now they're like, we're going to make sure we do this, and we're going to do it right. And by golly, we're going to make sure you do it right too. And and uh, yeah, they but just they, they took it way too far. No, well, no, you know, they because weren't. Because now but... their focus wasn't Jesus; it was focused on them obtaining it by following all these laws. Right. So, like, almost right. self. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they they. 
they thought they could obtain something or maintain something by following the rules without the understanding of why the rules were in place. I saw your hand, Amy, and then I, I butted in. Well, I decided to look up the verse first. Uh, Romans 7 verse 12 says, wherefore the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. And so the Bible never changes its opinion of the law. Mm. It's just that we recognize that we can't do it without the Holy Spirit. And number two, you know, at the time that John came, John came preaching the kingdom and he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And then what is that? Well, when Jesus gets here, he says, this is what my father's like. And he just keeps saying that, like all the parables are, there was this guy and this <laughs> happened, but his dad was really good, you know? And, mm -hmm. and, and so all the stories come out like that, like over and over again, Jesus just keeps saying, my father is good. And you can trust him no matter what Satan told you in the garden and no matter what Satan has deceived every generation with my father is good. And that's what the kingdom looks like. The, the kingdom is the idea. And I think this is what the kingdom is. The kingdom is this idea that God is good and there will be a restoration of man living with God again. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I do too. I think so too. Yeah. There's a lot of times I think when people talk about the kingdom of God, they immediately think you're talking about heaven. But no, Jesus was talking about right here, right now, our relationship with God, how we think about God, how we think about what God wants us to do, how we think about each other. Uh, it's a way of life. It's a it's a it's, you know, principles. So. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, it is. um it's, a, it's one of those things, you know, it takes a little thought. You got to crawl inside of it. You got to let it kind of wash over you. Um, get in there and think about some of it logically. And you, you see that, yeah, it's not one or the other. It's it's not uh, if or, it's yes and, you know. Um, right, right. So inter interesting little interlude on that one. Well, now we step into a rather famous parable. I guess another famous parable, because we've already talked about one famous parable tonight. But um, this is one of the most interesting ones, and it's one that get gets used for a lot of different reasons. And we're going to have to talk about some of these things. It's called The Rich Man and Lazarus. And you have these two men in the story. A rich man who's not named. He's just called The Rich Man. He's got, basically, he's got everything in his favor. I mean, if you think about a rich dude, this guy's this guy's a rich dude. You know, he's got everything that he could want. Uh, you know, as far as money and goods and home and that kind of thing. Then you have another man named Lazarus, who is a beggar. He's literally in the street, and he hopes to get some crumbs. And dogs come and lick his sores. So this guy is not in a good way. So you got two polar opposites going on here. And it's important, you know, this is not the Lazarus that we will be talking about when we have Lazarus raised from the dead. This is, <laughs> a, <laughs> apparently Lazarus was a rather common name. It was like Joe back in the day, um, you know, or, or John or, you know, something along those lines. It was a rather, a rather uh, uh, common name. And so it was just kind of a, Jesus is using this name in this parable just to, just to give a name to something, you know, so, but last, so two guys, rich man, everything he wants, Lazarus, a beggar with nothing. Lazarus dies. And we're told in the parable that he is carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. We're told that the rich man dies and is buried and he gets tormented in Hades. He looks up and sees Abraham with Lazarus. And he calls to Abraham for mercy. And Abraham says, you received your reward in life while Lazarus suffered. And besides that, there's no travel between where you are and where we are. And so, uh, no, this isn't this isn't going to happen for you. Um, I guess uh, if I remember, Abraham literally says, let Lazarus dip his hand in some water and cool my yes. tongue. You know, yes. that's that's the words used. And and Abraham is just like, no, that's not going to happen for you. Um, 
so then the rich man asks, okay, well then send Lazarus to my brothers in my home so that he can testify them so they don't end up here with me. And Abraham replies, well, they have Moses and the prophets, so let them listen to, to those guys. And because uh, if they don't listen to them, someone risen from the dead is not going to convince them either. That's the gist of the parable. That's my that's my paraphrase of it. Now, I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room for here first. Go ahead. Amy. Oh, no, no, no. You okay. talk about okay. the elephant. All right. So let's talk about the elephant in the room here first. We have stated, I think sometimes quite clearly, maybe sometimes we've alluded to it. If you're new to the podcast, uh, what I'm going to say here might come as a bit of a surprise to you. You can go back and listen to us. Go back and listen to the rest of the almost 200 episodes so that you can. <laughs> but it is our contention on this podcast that when you die, you essentially go to sleep until the resurrection. Uh, that there is no consciousness, there is no going directly to heaven, there is no going directly to hell, none of that. There is no consciousness, it is essentially asleep, and you wait for the resurrection. When we read this story, though, that Jesus is telling, it would imply the opposite of everything that we've said in the past. It would imply that when you go that when you die, you're going to go to either heaven or hell. So what do we do with that? Where, where, where do we land on that little, little elephant in the room? <laughs> go ahead, Amy. So the first thing that jumps into my mind is just that I think I was probably in college before I knew that the ideas of heaven and hell and, um, Sheol and uh, Abraham's bosom and all that developed slowly through Jewish history. Like it wasn't something that was like stated in Genesis, right? Mm -hmm. right? And so it develops through the history of the Jewish people. They are living among pagan cultures. They develop their own thoughts about these things. They have some insight because of the prophets um, and because of the sacrificial system and whatnot, they have some insights, but they don't know everything. And so my understanding is, is that this was sort of a common scenario in their minds. The bosom of Abraham was where you rested until uh, God, you know, woke you up or, or whatever. Um, and there is this concept of Sheol, which is maybe hell, <coughs> but um, but those thoughts develop slowly over time. It's not like implicit throughout scripture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you were to take this straight at face value, there's a few things that they really wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. Like you get taken to Abraham's bosom. So what? Literally every single person who has died and, and you know, Let's just say it. The, you know, you died as a good person, or whatever. You know, literally, you go to be essentially hugged for all of eternity by by Abraham. That sounds a little weird. Um, I forgot where I, was, I thought. Forgot what I was going to say. <laughs> um, oh. Um, also, um, this taken at its face value, you would almost make it sound as if Abraham is the one who's in charge of heaven. Well, does that really make sense? You know, it doesn't to me. Um, and so where we have to, I think where we have to land on this is this is a parable. It's not intended to be a literal story. There's too many things here that just don't make sense literally. From a literal from a literal sense, the idea that people in hell are going to be able to see people in heaven, that doesn't sit well, at least doesn't sit well in my heart. Um, the idea that there's that there could be uh, contact between those two realms. Um, 
yeah, I know the idea of hell is supposed to be a place of torment, but it wouldn't it be just as tormenting for you to be in heaven to be able to talk to people in hell and see them be, be tormented? That would be awful in my mind. I, I wouldn't want to see that. And water. So that, I just need some water. Water. <laughs> yeah. And so that that part doesn't make sense to me uh, either. Amy. So I like what you just did because, you know, essentially people need to understand that Jesus is a fabulous storyteller. And when we listen to all kinds of stories, we're able to make mental uh, jumps and say, oh, this is not entirely literal. And, you know, and so we do that all the time. There's no reason we can't do that with this story because it seems so non-literal, like you were just saying. Mm -hmm. um, but if we turn over to John chapter five, I think this is so important. This is Jesus talking very directly about eternal life. He, he that hears my words and believes on him that sent me has everlasting life and will not come into condemnation. He says, Very, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming when the dead shall hear the voice of the son of God and they that hear shall live. And then he says in verse 28, marvel not at this, for the hour is coming when they which are in their grave shall hear his voice and they shall come forth. Um, and then he goes on to describe the resurrection. So Jesus talking Every other time we've seen him talk about death, he calls it sleep. And then when he talks about the resurrection, he says, you'll hear my voice and you'll wake up. Very different from the rich man and Lazarus, right? Rich man and Lazarus, the guy's awake the whole time and super thirsty. Um, you know, so it it clearly is a parable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's where we carry forward in the story then is understanding that this is not meant to be taken literally. This is a story that is meant to convey a thought, but the thought here is not about what happens when you die. It's about, it's about attitudes and, and, uh, uh, principles that, that should be followed in life. Um, and, and so when it, you know, when, when, uh, when the rich man is, is finding himself calling for mercy, well, the real point here is that it's too late for that mercy at that, you know, once you died, you're dead. There, you know, you can't, you can't obtain that mercy anymore. And as we find ourselves at the end of our lives, if we understand, we, if we, if we find ourselves outside of that mercy, we're going to be wishing we had it. Maybe. So as you're approaching the end of the chapter, I think you really are hitting on the point of this story. Like you said, is not to gain a knowledge of what happens when you die, but right, right there in verse 31, he says, if they will hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. So he's very clearly saying, look, this entire chapter, I've been trying to tell you, specifically the Pharisees, I'm the Messiah, and you're refusing to listen to me. So you have the Moses and the prophets who predicted about Christ, who they, they talked about nothing else, right? The coming of the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. He's finally here, and they're like, we don't like that guy at all. And Jesus says, that's fine. That's fine. But even if I rise from the dead, which I will, you aren't going to believe. Yeah. 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 Even, yeah. Even if somebody comes back from the dead, if you don't believe them, you won't believe that. Kara. That's what I was going to say. I really think this is some strong foreshadowing. Like he knows, mm -hmm. he knows what's going to happen and he's, He's putting the thought in their head the same way he does with his parables and his real life stories. And later, when the things happen, they're going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I don't believe that. Right. Right. Yeah. And that's that that is the ultimate point there is that that you have been given everything you needed to know through scripture in the past and and yeah you guys have studied it uh but what do you look to scripture because you think in them you find eternal life i'm paraphrasing um right. but but they didn't find it because they kept looking for the wrong things they kept looking mm -hmm. for for some way to earn things they kept looking for some way to 
to gain favor, uh, which is not what is not what the Bible is about. There's an anachron. Favor and world status, too, I think. Well, yeah. They wanted to they wanted to be sitting on top of the world. Mm-hmm. There's an anachronym, and I, you know, it's it's a part of cliche Christianity that just drives me bonkers. I hate cliche Christianity <laughs> so much. But uh the anachronym people say that the word Bible is an anachronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. And if that is why you read the Bible is looking for instructions on how, you know, if you're just like, you're not going to find them because one, the Bible's not basic. You find very little actual instruction and it's not about before leaving earth. It's about living now, you know? And so, so when these guys are reading Moses and the prophets and they're not seeing forward through the story to to uh, Jesus's arrival, they're missing it. They're, lo- they're 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 losing it all. They're missing it all. And when we start talking about this kingdom of heaven now, they have no idea, no concept of what's going on. They just they don't they don't get it. And uh, you didn't listen then. You're not going to get it now. So sorry, guys. Um, but when you find yourself at the end of your life, you're going to wish you had the mercy. You're gonna wish it was there for you, and by that point, it's gonna be it's gonna be too late. Very interesting story. Um, we might 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 be a little controversial with some of our listeners on that one. I don't know, um, but uh, I don't know. Did, did, were there any other thoughts on that that uh, you feel like we need to touch on? I'm going to take that yawn as a no. Oh, that was a sigh. I was just oh. look. I was just kind of <laughs> scanning over the chapter. I don't really see anything that I think we missed. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so yeah. With that, uh, you know, these parables of Jesus—they're they're great. You gotta, you gotta. I've said it again. I'll say it the third time. Crawl inside of them. You got to get in there, and you got to really think about what's being said. Comparing parts of it with other scripture, um, to to really understand context, to really understand nuance, um, you know, understanding that sometimes a story is uh, not literal, and um, figure it out. You know, when you when you're looking at a parable, you got to really look at what is the final thought of the parable, and not just parables, but scripture. When you when you when you come across a verse that doesn't quite jive maybe or you know something in it is is tickling you a little bit keep reading sometimes you'll find something more in the chapter sometimes you'll find it in another book but but when you let scripture talk to you it'll it will answer itself and and so when you have questions like the story of Lazarus and you get to the end uh idea of the of the parable you realize the story is just a vessel. It's not necessarily the point. And you'll see that in lots of lots of areas of scripture where where something might happen, but that's not the point of the story. And I think a lot of that stuff takes time, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I, I have a completely different perspective on even the most common Bible stories as an adult than I ever did when I was young and when I first learned them. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Some of those, even some of the most... Uh, simple stories that were taught as a kid, you you come at them as an adult, and you're like, oh wow, I, there was stuff there I didn't understand at all. Things yeah. like you know, you can story of Jonah, Noah's Ark. Uh, it's a different Samson perspective. Yeah, it's a different perspective based on it, you know how your how your life's gone, and you know how you can apply it to your life at that particular moment. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't negate what you learned as a kid. It just you know when you when you see it at one stage of your life. It's going to hit you one way, and when you see it at another stage of your life, it's going to hit you a different way, and it's going to expand on that knowledge, and 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 uh, you know, ultimately, it's going to draw you closer to God. You're going to yeah. you're going to understand it better. Yeah. Remember when we were studying Daniel in that home, like small group, mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like I mean, we took a year. You know, <laughs> we were doing that for a year, and I feel like that's the neat thing about the Bible, like this, you know, John three sixteen. Got to know that. 
-hmm. And then there's so much else to know. And you can dig deeper and deeper and you can spend so much time and get so much depth. And, and like, as you study and as you get older and more experienced too, you start to, to realize, wow, this thing is deep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can take parts of it and study it your entire life and, and never find the end of it. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, I suppose that is our time for tonight. Karen's coach is going to turn into a pumpkin out there in Kentucky. <laughs> so we. I'm so sick, you guys. I'm just sick. I just know <laughs> that. Well, you well, didn't tell I us. I have a code in my doze. It's too early for codes in your doze. It's it's only. October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yuck. No, those are no fun. No, no I got fun. to run down last week. I'm back in school and I had all this stuff going on and it was just a lot. And mm. I got like this lingering three quarters of a cold that just won't go away. I'm just Yuck. whiny. <laughs> Yuck. No fun. No fun at all. Well, let's let Karen go to bed and let's finish <laughs> the podcast for this for this go. Uh, <laughs> next time we will be talking about. Uh, let's see, we're gonna what are we? We're, well, we're, we're gonna continue in Luke for one more chapter. We'll be looking at Luke chapter seventeen, and there's some good stuff there too. So while you are reading Luke chapter seventeen, remember you can reach out to us at ATTB podcast at theadventure.org, especially if you'd like one of those coffee mugs. <laughs> Get into that drawing. Come on, I want to give those things away. I want to, I want you to have this. So you have to do this. So reach out to us at ATTB podcast at theadventure.org. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with your friends and family. And we look forward to talking to you again next time. Thanks for listening. Well, that went really well. Yes. Another one in the books. How many is that now? Three? That, I think, um, let's see. What did I just put up? I just put up episode 190. Uh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember. That gives us, that might give us three extras. I'd have to. I it's so look. weird to walk by my mom's room and hear my voice coming out of it. I'm just like, <laughs> hey, imagine how it is for me editing this thing and listening to myself stammer over myself. And so let me see. What did we just put up? We just put up episode. No, we just, we just, because this was episode 197 then. And I think I just put up episode. Hmm. Where were we? What did we just talk about last? Parable of the Lost Sheep is one we just recorded. And that was last. That was on Sunday. Um, Man with dropsy. I don't think I've put that one up yet. Which one? Oh, when we were talking about the man with dropsy. I'm oh. trying to think of which one I just edited and put up, and I'm not. I don't remember. I don't remember what episode we have up now. I don't remember where we are. Literally. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I think we have about three extras right now. That's good. Not a terrible place to be. So we can. Uh, we can judge whether we want to do more like that. So this was episode 190. What did I say? 97 Seven. easy to put up, I think. 197. Yep. Cool. So we're coming in on 200. That's quite the feat when you. That's exciting. The average podcast doesn't go past 10. Are you serious? I heard that statistic somewhere. Most of most people bow out by that point. Ten. Oh wow. Yeah, yeah. So two hundred. Well, so. happy to help you cut your teeth past that awkward number. That's <laughs> <laughs> so why I say I don't know if it's because we're because uh, we're any good or if it's because we're just stubborn. <laughs> yeah, we're just stubborn. And we don't require an audience. Look at us go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm learning a lot. I don't even know real. Oh. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm 
I am, you know, I love oh, yeah. just digging in and bouncing ideas off of people. Yeah. That's what it's for. Yeah, and so. it's such a nice group because it's not, um, it's not like you have to, you have to know the answer. You yeah. Just, well, yeah. So yeah. That's you're studying. You're all studying together. You no, know, it's different, different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, that's, that's one reason why we call it adventure through the Bible. Cause we're, some of it we're learning as we go, you know, yeah. and we're just regular folks. We don't know it all. Well, <laughs> I know a lot. <laughs> That's because you're a master. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, I know a lot. I'm a master and I'm a man, but I do know <laughs> that Karen and Amy are always are right. Always right. <laughs> always right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Oh, 